Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 433 of the Really Awful Movies podcast. Windy City Heat and One Too Many. Um, The connective thread between the two is that the principals are stars of their very own modern-day geek shows. Viewers uh, charging the equivalent of uh, two bits a gander, uh, I guess, or, or super chat equivalent, to gawk at the spectacle of these two very eccentric, shall we say, uh, broken uh, men. Um, Windy City Heat, I mean, there's there's a long history of uh, pranking. Going back to um, Candid Camera, I think that was back in the 60s, and through the likes of Pranked, Eric Andre, Impractical Jokers, uh, Johnny Knoxville's of this world, and of, of course a litany of uh, TikTokers, including uh, Nelk Boys, and, and there's probably a hundred others, that too many of, uh, who, of whom to name. However, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there hasn't been a full-length feature pranking focused. So Windy City Heat, which is a 2003 Comedy Central production, that it makes it uh, in that way a little bit unique and it falls into the category of uh, a mockumentary, but not in the conventional sense of the term. Unlike, uh, let's say, uh, Christopher Guest in uh, Best in Show or, or This is Spinal Tap, one of the principals here, the star, uh, is Perry Caravello and he's the unwitting butt of the joke, and everyone else is a confederate slash accomplice. So in that way, it's more in keeping with the Truman Show, where you have this uh, artifice surrounding this uh, principle. But uh, the difference, of course, is that it's a mockumentary. So, uh, and this is a, f- a film that's uh, gained a lot of traction of late uh, with comedians like uh, Tony Hinchcliffe and Shane Gillis. Uh, singing its praises, as well as a Howie Mandel. I, I think in some cases overly so, but I still think as as a, an achievement, it's quite remarkable and quite interesting in a way. I mean, Perry Caravello is an Italian-American Chicagoan who for a long time worked in a print shop and tried his hand at stand-up uh, and is genuinely awful at it. He's got like a really, really grating, shouting voice, and he's kind of a bellowing, kind of overbearing character. And he, he looks like the illegitimate son of uh, Stephen Wright and Sylvester Stallone, in a way. And he he sort of is the perfect stooge for this kind of uh, conceit and for this kind of setup in Windy City Heat, as he's a wannabe actor. And actually, in, in it's, it's sort of funny, in, in much the same way Stallone was, who was trying to basically do anything to get to break into the biz and was living in his car and was just completely focused with uh, success. Uh, Well, unlike Stallone, I mean, Caravello is not much of an actor despite all claims to the contrary that he routinely makes in this film, uh, citing his uh, creative influences as Brando and and the like. So it's kind of perfect in a way because he's a wannabe actor in a fake movie that's been built around him. 
Uh, but the movie is done so legitimately that he doesn't suspect a thing, despite the fact that Caravello was an extra on lots of movies. So I think uh, the, the production around him is something that he would have recognized uh, prior. It, with, with this kind of pranking, I think Windy City Heat operates as a kind of foreshadowing or a, a bit of a sort of a progenitor for the likes of a, like an American Idol or a Britain's Got Talent or one of these things which demonstrates the, uh, the, how funny the Dunning-Kruger effect can be, uh, where you have people who are not specialists in anything to the extent that they would know enough that they're really that bad. I mean, people who are world-class singers know their faults and know where they need to improve, and people who are shower singers uh, do not. And despite being told that uh, their warblings are, are quite atrocious, then they, they don't even accept uh, no for an answer. And in the case of uh, those infamous reality shows, it, even some of the most astonishingly unself-aware karaoke belters are still more self-aware than the likes of Perry Caravello. And uh, some people have, have claimed that Caravello is in on the joke, and to a certain extent he could be, in the same way Tommy Wiseau has sort of embraced the scorn and, and the criticism for his uh, infamous uh, flop, The Room, for which he infamously paid for his own billboards and, and paid millions of dollars to create this execrable green screen mess that's a, a total disaster on several fronts. Well, in this mock movie at the center of uh, Windy City Heat, Perry Caravello is supposed to play Stone Fury, a sports private investigator. Uh, incidentally, that name sounds exactly like what an action film star would have been named in the 90s, like probably something like a, like Seagal or, or Brian Bosworth would have played, Stone Fury. And the, the producers of, the, of Windy City Heat, who include Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, have a production, as I said earlier, that it looks really legit. And incidentally, Jimmy Kimmel sunk 25k into this production to try and get Comedy Central to bite on the full-length feature. It's similar in a way to what Spinal Tap did. Uh, they actually um, shot a few segments to because their the production companies were rejecting them left, right, and center, and they finally put together a piece that a company finally thought had legs. So, and that's how they kind of broke in. And of course, with this is Spinal tap the rest is history in the windy city heat mock production there are trailers for the stars and there's of course craft services and in fact like a real movie they are catering no pun intended to perry caravello's every need and there's a running gag where they routinely give him food at inopportune moments so there's a lot of funny moments where they're basically just gaslighting Caravello at every turn and just constantly giving him sandwiches and, and pizza and whatever the hell it is when he's trying to get work done and that's a, quite a funny recurring bit the this mock production even has an auteur behind it and it's it's a director played by Bobcat Goldthwaite actually playing himself and you talk about someone who's as annoying as uh, Perry Caravello, although Goldthwaite dials it down, and the recurring gag that he deploys is he uses as a megaphone in casual conversation. And uh, one of the many hilarious uh, ongoing gags operating throughout, uh, even after like Caravello presses him on, like, dude, you don't need to use a megaphone, we're in close quarters, like, why are you doing this? So this is kind of a neat, kind of silly, funny idea. And uh, Goldthwait and the producers instruct Caravello on, you know, as you would one of your actors and stars. And in one scene, he says, dial back the Scott Bayo and dial up the De Niro, which is funny because Caravello is happy to oblige and fancies himself a method actor. And it, it's 
that's pretty wild. Like some of the funniest moments in Windy City Heat are when Perry Caravello is pushed to his limits. And it's kind of, this film functions as a satirical pulling back of the curtain to reveal the extent to which people are obsessed about breaking into the film business and, and how they will go through any sort of machinations to do so. And some of these are quite elaborate. And this includes adding dog poop to make a street scene more gritty and urban. And of course, gaslighting Caravello through their use of and when not to use stunt doubles. And they, in one of the funnier scenes in the movie, they, there's a sex scene and they bring in a stunt double, much to the chagrin of the, the portly, uh, barrel-chested uh, Caravello. Now, Caravello's pushed to the breaking point on many occasions, and the fact that he doesn't is quite astounding. In the most uh, glaring, conspicuous example of this, fellow castmates... Uh, reveal what they received after signing a contract to be in the movie. So there's a scene with an agent, uh, and in, in one instance, it's revealed that I think one of them has a Rolex, and the other one gets something else. Like, I think they get a new car or something, And but all Caravello asked for was something frivolous and inexpensive on the rider or in his trailer. I, I forget what it was. It was some sort of snack. The, the movie's producers push the envelope knowing full well that, that not only is Caravello a dupe, but he's also a dope. Like his colleagues on set run the gamut of notable people through history on occasion. So the, the producer of this mock film is named John Quincy Adams. So even as a Canadian, I know that he was, I think, a founding father and a, a U.S. president. Uh, I don't know why that didn't ring any bells. Uh, to Caravello. Uh, there's another character named Nagasaki Hiroshima, which is wild, and there's a casting agent named Roman Polanski, and that's actually played by a Boston area uh, comedian, uh, Dane Cook, in, in a really terrific performance. It begs the question, uh, and other people have commented on it, whether Caravello is in on this, because you would think someone who's an extra in a bunch of movies would at least catch on to the fact that there's a Roman Polanski uh, involved, you know, in the production and that it's not the one who had to uh, flee to uh, France and obviously and is responsible for all those amazing uh, films in the 70s and beyond. So none of these name checks, Hiroshima, arguably the most, or Hiroshima, arguably the most notable event of the 20th century, or a globally world famous director, like none of these ring any bells. So it's pretty amazing. Like Caravello in that sense, functions as a classic lull cow like he was and continues to remain somewhat oblivious I think uh, he runs a twitch channel in which people pay just to watch his everyday life and uh, I think I think he still lives in in Illinois just outside of Chicago but he lives in a sort of a crummy apartment he's a pack rat who ekes out a meager existence uh, through uh, super chats and and uh, through I think patreon um, funding and whatnot so he has managed to uh, you know work out some sort of weird existence on the periphery in the bowels of the internet and, and speaking of lol cows I came to this movie and Perry Caravello through another infamous lol cow stuttering John Melendez now he stars the and he likely co-wrote a really dismal production called One Too Many, a throwaway cheapie that has Tommy Wiseau-esque set design and a star who matches him, at least in the ego department, and with room to spare, too. Fans of Howard Stern back in the day will know Stut Joe as the asker of grossly inappropriate red carpet questions, hounding celebrities in an undoubtedly cruel yet undeniably hilarious way, as he'll be the first to tell you, because the guy is stuck in the past 
Unbelievably so. He unbelievably also snagged the announcer slot on The Tonight Show, one of the most high-profile troll hires in the history of showbiz. Like Jay Leno, then an arch-rival of Stern, uh, he figured he would poach some of Stern's top talent. Little did Leno know the talent wasn't manifested in Stuttering John. It was the writers that put words in, into his marble mouth gob. It wasn't John at all. And th they soon found that out. And soon The Tonight Show did not have him as an announcer for much longer. But fast forward to the present day and the worlds of Stuttering John and Perry Caravello are mirror images in a way. They're, they both beg for money online and are laughed at through an increasingly growing portion of the internet. It's quite remarkable, in fact, that Stuttering John has a 7,000 strong subreddit devoted to trashing his, well, every move, which is common. The guy can't live a life that's not online. So all his gaffes and malapropisms are captured for the world to laugh at. Uh, and actually, this world includes a cottage industry of podcasters whose reason for being is trashing this idiot who's a wet brain braggart and unhinged alcoholic who still thinks he's relevant and whose online streaming gaffes are the stuff of legend, really, at this point. He's had cockroaches crawl on him live. He's a drool-spewing like troglodyte who hits on his guests, knocks his green screens over, uh, orders... 7-Eleven dinners while under the influence and rants like the Unabomber, even even though he, he looks more like Charles Manson. Uh, there's a show called Uncle Rico, uh, aptly named because it's, it references directly the Napoleon Dynamite movie and the, and the uncle who uh, talks about throwing a football and, and it lives in the glory days. It's, uh, you know, not unlike Al Bundy from uh, Married with Children. And Uncle Rico features ex-Stern staffers like uh, Shuli Agar and uh, Mike Morse and the uh, Reverend Bob Levy, whose sole reason for being is making sport of this stinky rube every week. And, and it's, it's quite hilarious in a way. So the, the worlds of Stuttering John and Perry Caravello connect because trolls play, actually play clips of Stuttering John to Perry on his Twitch stream, creating fake commentary that Caravello thinks is actually Stuttering John. So these worlds are really wild and it's really amazing to see how these guys have uh, have taken a different career trajectory, so shall we say? I mean, one is the has been the butt of the joke always, and to a certain extent, I guess Stuttering John has been the butt of a lot of jokes because of his uh, so so disability, so called, and his stutter, which seems to wax and wane depending on on the uh, the circumstance. But it's something to behold. These two worlds are unreal and and if we segue into what we've learned here uh when, when it comes to windy city heat the most amazing part of it is that um the principals actually don't crack up because you think they would laugh at some point the kudos to them they're, they're scenes that are really awkward and uncomfortable like where they put caravello who's a notorious uh, self-admitted homophobe they put him in chaps and measure his inseam with a with a very uh, gay stylist and uh, they routinely misspell his name to hilarious effect whether it's the sign for his dressing room, his trailer, or even on the marquee. It's uh, pretty amazing. And Adam Carolla is is really outstanding as an actor who uh, is in a production being shot in the studio lot next door, a Roman history period piece involving, of all things, Air Bud. Uh, it is one of the funnier gags in the movie. And uh, Dane Cook, the oft-maligned comic, 
who it became uh, fashionable to hate on, uh, is really great, as I said earlier, as Roman Polanski. And uh, football fans will recognize William the Refrigerator Perry, uh, literally larger than life, a figure who starred in the uh, 80s Chicago Bears the Super Bowl. Uh, the origins of his nickname should hardly come as a surprise, either that he you know, resembles a fridge or eats out their contents. And he, he himself was notable for being a gimmick at the time. Uh, the team would hand the ball to him as, uh, off to him as a running back, and the, the guy was like 350 pounds. So he probably had guys who were 150 pounds lighter uh, quaking in their, uh, in their cleats, really. Now, the cast is uh, really dynamite, and, uh, you know, per Caravello is kind of an interesting figure. The, he has a weirdly uh, cherubic face and has a shock of Andre the Giant hair, and he's kind of strangely compelling. He seems to be a good sport, sort of, although he, he has a, a certain arrogance to him as well. Now, Stuttering John, he's, he's a bellicose bully and a, and a dimwit, and he creates sock accounts, and in one instance accidentally tweeted himself, and yet he boasts an IQ north of Stephen Hawking. So it's unbelievable. I think the, the guy is so delusional, he's really deserving of every barb sent his way. Yeah, he's a, basically a misogynistic lowlife and a self-aggrandizing, like, know-it-all prick. He's, he's basically like Cliff Clavin from Cheers, you know, you know uh, with the, the hubris of, of a Donald Trump. And it's nice, actually, to see him hoisted uh, by his own petard routinely on his show, which, and he broadcasts daily with the commitment of a newscaster or a journalist. It's, it's, it's wild. When it comes to uh, One Too Many, you can't get much more uh, pitch perfect as a title because it kind of sums up the dismal, dissolute life of Stuttering John. He's like kind of morphing and, and bloating into a Charles Bukowski, minus the, the talent, like before our very eyes. Uh, one Too Many is right, and if you're talking about beers, I mean, Stutcho is a guy who's been hospitalized for <clears throat> dehydration and, and basically earns a living such as it is by screaming at people on the internet. Uh, the production he was in in the late 2000s was a reminder that National Lampoon at the time was attaching its name like a barnacle to just about anything. And it's, it beggars belief and boggles the mind that one too many is a National Lampoon production. I mean, talk about an example of uh, unchecked uh, licensing oversight. I mean, this is an IP associated with European and Christmas vacation. But the only vacation you get in one too many is for your brain. Like, it can be out of town and you won't be the wiser. Like, in fact, it might help. Like, the plot like is so threadbare and nondescript, if you can call it that. It rivals some of the leanest 80s slashers in its brevity. It's all about a guy who wants to have a threesome. Like, don't we all? Big whoop. If it were an elevator pitch, it'd be over before you push the button to your floor. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it has this goofy tonality and sensibility and voiceovers that are out of place. And the most amazing thing about One Too Many and John Melendez is that at the time, whoever was in Howard Stern's orbit would get some sort of push and be able to parlay it into a career. Uh, not so much now, as Howard has kind of turned into his namesake. Hughes, a paranoid, like a germaphobic, shut-in, you know, wingnut in a way. Um, Stuttering John was one of the beneficiaries of the star wattage of the so-called, you know, the king of all media who doesn't even know what podcasting is today and makes fun of Joe Rogan, even though Rogan's audience dwarfs him by a factor of 50 to 1 probably. And, you know, this middling, you know, arrogant, no-talent Stuttering John even secured a record deal and performed on Conan in uh, complete with an, you know, out of tune guitar solo. It's all very, very surprising, this Horatio Alger uh, story that he's had. Uh, he went from Howard Stern to Jay Leno 
to do now doing open mic nights at sports bars in Iowa, like I, I like potato bars, like. Uh, but there you have it. I mean, quite a fall from grace. And if you want to check out some of his stand-up footage, it's it's painful. It's really horrific. And yet he fancies himself a comedian, much like uh, Perry Caravello did. And his absolute resolute inability to be self-aware is the stuff of unintentional hilarity. And, you know, you can listen to the likes of Who Are These Podcasts or Uncle Rico to, for takedowns of Stucho. And he was once like a, you know, a handsome guy too. And now he's starting to resemble like a brain-dead troll Jeff Bridges. And he's just an ornery guy who wants to fight people, threatens people. He's, he's a kind of a pathetic version of one of the lowlifes in Scorsese's Mean Streets. Like, and, you know, one of the few surprises of one too many, other than the National Lampoon's uh, tangential uh, affiliation, is that there are famous people in it. Like there's a blink and you'll miss cameo from Mark Cuban, of uh, the owner of the uh, Dallas Mavs in the NBA, and of course a Shark Tank uh, co-host. Like Jeff Ross is in this too. Like you know, as someone said, he's he's known as the roast master because he works in a Starbucks. I, I believe that's a Jimmy Carr line. Uh, um, it's undeniable. Like he's a formidable beast of a comedian like Jeff Ross is a legit beast and um, like for reasons I that are tougher to comprehend than string theory like he's in this movie and he was buddy buddy with this anti-funny stut Joe and you know and the movie positions John as a rapscallion rogue and ladies man but he's about as equipped to deal with that as I am to speak conversational Mandarin I mean it's, it's insane it's weird casting it's a weird production there's a protracted scatological bathroom scene that's clearly influenced by the gross-out comedy of the Farrelly brothers, like minus on any of the timing or wit or, or, or fun of that. It's all, it's unpleasant all around, just like it's Star. You know, in these days, uh, Stutcho is a circus clown and a buffoon and kind of a backstabbing grifter who uh, begs for super chat money has burned more bridges in the field than uh, Russian soldiers have in Ukraine. Like, and for a guy who, like, boasted that he made 450k a year at the Tonight, Tonight Show as, as a writer, which he's never sick of reminding people. Uh, it's shocking that he's turned into like an obstreperous lowlife uh, begging for $2 on, on the internet. It's really, really weird. So there you have it. Uh, two movies featuring two lolcows and two films taking things from a completely different uh, um, angle. You have uh, a mockumentary and then you have this uh, kind of gross out Farrelly Brothers, uh, National Lampoon's laddish type of uh, pseudo comedy. And uh, one is very worth your time as you can probably guess uh, depending on how much of it uh, is uh, Caravello is in on the joke and the other one is very much not with, worth your time and, and it's, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out which is which and Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.